We're going to talk tonight about laying down the law. Uh, so I want you to, we're going to jump right into it. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, and we're going to kind of skim through the whole chapter here. Uh, but it, as, as you're turning there, I want you to remember that this is when Moses is receiving some instruction from God, as most of Exodus is. But, you know, they're already uh, outside of, uh, of Egypt. They already had the mass exodus, and now they're starting to receive some information from God about how to live. And Exodus 19.1, are you there? Say amen. It starts to read as such. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded them. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick, cl in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai and the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Let's pray. 
Lord, Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for this word, Father. I just pray to use it uh, to be able to help us learn more about you so your name is glorified even more. Father, we love you. We thank you. We just ask that you just continue to guide us as only you can. Forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a few points that I want to bring uh, this evening that we read out of this chapter. You know, a lot of times, first off, before I make my point, we go through the Old Testament. We know our stories from Bible school and we look at it and such. And those are great stories to continue to look at. But there's so much of the Old Testament that even relates to us today. And I think this is one of, the, one of those passages, one of those chapters that fits in our lifestyles today. And then the first fact that we get from this is that God is giving us the law. He establishes the law because God wants a relationship with mankind. Now, how did I get that from that? Let me give you a principle here, you know, that might, might be able to help you with this in many area, different areas of your life. If you want a relationship with God and with your relationships with others, we need rules, don't we? We need boundaries. We need to have an understanding of what that relationship is all about. Here's a principle you could take home with you. Put it on your Facebook, whatever you do. Tell your friends, get on the phone and tell somebody. Rules without relationships leads to rebellion. You understand that? If you laid down the rules for your kids to follow, but you spend no time getting to know them, if you lay down the rules for your kids and you allow no time for them to get to know you, then there's a great chance that they're going to rebel against you. A great chance. If you have a work relationship and here comes your boss and the only time you ever have contact with your boss is when he or she is trying to give you what is supposed to be happening and how far you're falling short from doing such you're going to have a little bit of rebellion. Maybe you might not outwardly express it in that case because you need a job. But we'll have it in our hearts, don't we? And I think God looks stronger at our hearts, doesn't he? See, we might have that same thing that happens with God. That same thing is true with our relationship with God. Part of the reason that some people have a real problem with some of the laws is because they never established a personal relationship with God. Now, I have to stop there because I'm getting going nuts. There's something echoing back here. Don, I think it's the monitors of this, of my clip. Can you check that, please? I'm so sorry. And maybe the pulpit's on. I don't know. No, the pulpit's off. But the same is true in our relationship with God. You know, people have that problem, like I said, because they don't have that relationship with God. And all they do is look at the rules that are happening with them. You know, but they, they're not working hard at making that relationship with God strong and special. You know, by a show of hands, if you have kids, do you, have you worked hard at making a relationship happen with your kids? It, it's a hard work, isn't it? But it's the same thing God's doing for you and we need to do with him. It's hard work. Do you know that before that God even laid down the Ten Commandments, he made it clear that he wanted to have a special relationship with his people. God demonstrates his power, his provisions and his protections to be able to draw you to himself. God demonstrates that power when he rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. 
He sent 10 awe-inspiring plagues to the Egyptians. You remember those? He did that to convince the Egyptians, but also the Israelites. How many were there? About a million. Remember that? He sent all those plagues for both the Egyptians and the Israelites to let them know that he was the almighty God. He caused that water to turn to blood and the sky to rain down to hail and darkness to cover the face of the earth when it was in the middle of the day. And then when Israel was trapped at the Red Sea, when they were leaving uh, Egypt, what did he do? He parted and allowed them to go across on dry land. See, God demonstrates his provisions by providing them a fountain of water. So after they crossed that Red Sea and they were out in the wilderness for 40 years by themselves, water flowed out of a rock so they could drink. Bread showed up every morning for them to eat and give them nutrition. And when Israel's enemies threatened to destroy them, whether it was the Egyptians at the Red Sea or the Amalekites when they were out in the wilderness, God demonstrated his power and his protection by eliminating the, 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 uh, eliminating the, the other people out. But why did God do all those things for Israel? This is where scripture comes in handy and it's so, so cool to look at it a little deeper. Verse 4 tells us, and in verse 4 it says, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. See, God did all these things that he might bring them into a relationship with himself. He does the same thing in your life and my life today. This isn't an Old Testament saying only. James 1.17 says that every, uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from the God, the Father. Amen. There goes that Father word again. Remember that? That means that everything that has been good in your life, it didn't just happen. Amen. It was sent down by God. It was given to you by God. Every time there's food on your table, it's because God gave it to you. Every time that you received healing from a disease or an illness, it's because God demonstrated his power in your life. Every time that you were driving down Port St. Lucie Boulevard and you avoided an accident, it was because God's provision was there to protect you. So why does he do these things in our lives? Is it because we're good people? <laughs> no way. No way. It's because he wants us to recognize his love for us, for you and for me. He wants us to draw into this relationship with him. But he also communicates his desire to make you his special treasure above all things. Verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. See, God told Moses and all the Israelites that if they would choose to enter in this relationship that he's coveting, that he would make them specifically his most prized possession. Man, isn't that wonderful? Think about all the options that God had to make another thing, another creature, his prized possession. He had the angels. He could have chosen them. 
He could have chosen them. They're not scarred with sin. They're there worshiping him 24-7 without fail. He could have used them, but God didn't choose them as his treasured possession. He could have chosen the stars. They're so beautiful out there at night. They emit so much light and power. But God still didn't choose them. He chose you and me. He chose humans to be his treasure. To be his treasure. Not just somebody he cares for, but to be the treasure that he upholds above all. You are more important than him. You are more important than him, and he'd rather have you than any other creature or thing. That's the kind of relationship our God wants with you, with us. But verse 6 shows us that God wants to communicate his goal to us, to his goal to be able to change us. Look at verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. You know, there's a story about a wedding where uh, the bride was unusually um, nervous. And so she talked to the pastor about her being nervous. And she said that she wasn't sure if she was going to make it through that wedding ceremony or not. And the pastor gave her some advice and said, instead of looking at the whole picture all at once, take bits and pieces and start looking at it that way. So worry about coming down the aisle. And then after you come down the aisle, then focus on the altar. When you get to the altar, focus on, on your groom. Take one bit at a time. So she took that away, thought it was good advice, and she took, did just that. And, but the only problem was she was the type of her person that voiced her thoughts, especially when she was so nervous. So as she's walking up the aisle, everyone in her church could hear her say, I'll alter him, I'll alter him. See, God wants to alter you. He wants you to come. You are his bridegroom. He's the bridegroom. You're his bride. And we're coming down the altar and having that same thought. Instead of us altering him, he's standing at the, at the altar saying, I want to alter you. I want to alter you. The change that God wanted to happen in the Israelites and what he, happens, what he wants to happen in us is to be able to benefit us to benefit our growth. He wants us to be changed in such a way that we can be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He wants us to be a holy nation. Do you know what a priest is? It's not the guy that wears a white collar. I had to say that. A priest is an ambassador between God and man. Are you an ambassador for God? I am. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be. We are ambassadors, we're priests, we're, we're saints, we're holy in his eyes. We're those ambassadors spreading the, the, the word of God to all the people who don't know him. And that honor is something we don't deserve, but God gives it to us. Why? Because he loves us. God desires that we change because he knows the direction we're going to be headed if we don't listen to him. He knows that, that if we don't follow his ways, it's just going to create suffering. It's only going to create destruction in our own lives. 
And the, God, the reason God puts rules in our lives is because he knows that the things that fall outside of those rules will damage us or hurt us. Think about it this way. He gave us the Ten Commandments. And you hear the world say that it seems pretty narrow. It seems pretty narrow. But aren't runways on every airport pretty narrow? Would you ever go up to the pilot and ask him to go a couple yards to the right or the left and land in the field instead of that runway? We have that runway to keep us safe, don't we? God's giving us a runway. He's giving us a runway that's narrow, but it's going to give us, it's, it's laws that give us a happy and fulfilling life. He has them for a purpose. But the next main point I want to make is this. The giving of the law established the fact that the relationship must be on God's terms. It has to be on God's terms. Verse 10 of our scripture says that God requires that we need to be clean. Look at the, verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. See, in preparation for God's coming down to the people, he tells them he has to go and wash their clothes. It's kind of an odd demand, isn't it? And maybe when you read it, and I know I have, I kind of just skimmed over that, not realizing what it meant until I started studying it. And yeah, these sermons are just as much for me as they for, are for you, by the way. What the message God was trying to communicate to the people when he said that it was two things. This is what I believe it is. First, he was telling the people that if they wanted to enjoy a relationship and all that entails, with all those rewards that he's promising the people, they had to be willing to get clean. They had to be willing to get clean. And let me tell you, the same is true with each and every one of us, right? If we're going to have a relationship with God, then we must be clean. We must be clean. We need Jesus Christ, amen? amen? We must be clean if we want that relationship with God. But second, I think he was illustrating the fact that the law was about to get handed down to them and it only could be clean them on the outside. They had no ability to clean them on the inside. Now, even by some miracle from when they received that law, the day they received it to the day they died, if they were able to keep the law 100%, and you know and I know that nobody can, but let's say by some miracle they did, all that would have been affected is their outward actions. See, they were going to need something else, something to be able to clean them on the inside, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15 shows that we must be totally dedicated to him. That's what God's telling us. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Another odd request. See, God told Moses to go to the people and consecrate them. That word consecrate means to dedicate completely for one specific purpose or person. When you got married, you were consecrated to your spouse. You were dedicated to one person for the rest of your life. 
Something that is consecrated is focused on that one use or one person. And God wanted the Israelites to be totally consecrated to him. He wanted their 100% unfaltering, unwavering devotion only to him. I think he wants that from you and me, doesn't he? See, if he was going to make them the treasured possession that he wants them to be, he needed to make sure that they were going to devote themselves to him. And this is where the part about abstaining from the sexual relations with their wives comes in too. See, abstaining from sex wasn't about cleanliness or holiness at this point. It was the issue of devotion. It was an issue of focus. The reason it was prohibited in this instance was not because it was wrong, but because the people, but, but because God wanted the people's full attention on him. He didn't want any distractions. I say this all the time, and you've said it a couple times in the three weeks I've been here. I love to pray, get rid of everything in my mind and my heart, good, bad, and indifferent. Why? So we could focus only on him. Only on God. All of our energy, all of our concentration, 100% of it needs to be focused on God. He expects that devotion from you and from me. He expects that. But unfortunately, if you're like me, when you go to prayer with God in the morning, you start thinking about the 101 different things that you got to do for today. Just kind of pop in your head. That's when you just got to take a break and say, hey, those things got to wait. Right now, I'm dedicated to God. I need to look to Him. You know, I'm aware that there might be scores of different things that are happening in your life right now. Things that, that might be responsibilities or plans that you have made. Dinner and pains and heartaches and fears. And there's so much going on in each one of our lives each and every day. But I need to ask you to do something. And here's your challenge. When you walk in this place, when you walk into your prayer closet, when you walk into your worship time with God, wherever that is, put those two aside. And let's start focusing on Him. Let's focus on God. Let's give Him all that we are. And He will take care of all those other things that we're thinking about and we're fretting about. He will be there for you and me. Just start acting and thinking about what God is doing for you right now at this present moment. He is the great I am, not the I was or will be. I am. Here's the next point I want to make tonight, and we're running close out of time, is that God requires us to reserve his limits and his timetable. Looking again at verse 12 and 13, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches a mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. 
So when God came down on Mount Sinai to deliver the law to his people, he demonstrated his power. He demonstrated his glory. There's this huge thunderstorm that descended on the mountain. There were bolts of lightning shooting from it. And I can only imagine that was almost cartoonish, like, you know, something that might have come out of a comic book with all the lightning coming out. I don't know. But it's probably something that we can never fathom unless we see it with our own eyes. But God knew that if the people came too close without being prepared, it would cause their death. So he told them, hey, slow down, stay back. Wait a second. He didn't tell them to stay back because he didn't want them to know him. He placed a limitation on them because he knew what the result would be with the sin that they currently had. It'd be kind of like venturing into a nuclear reactor without all the safeguards that one needs to take to walk in. It would destroy you. It would kill you. It would be disastrous. Beginning with the Ten Commandments and going throughout the whole Bible, God puts scores of limitation on mankind. Not because he's a hateful God. He tells us what we can and cannot do. And some of those limitations are permanent. They're never going to change throughout our whole life. You shall, never, you shall have no other gods before me. That's something that's permanent for the rest of our life. He has limited type th the type of things that we can say. You shall bear no false witness against your neighbor. He's limited what I can consider mine. Thou shalt not steal. And there are many other permanent limitations that he's placed on us. But then there's other limitations that he's given us that are temporal, they're temporary. And they're just for a particular period in our lives. Before I was married, I wasn't supposed to have any sex with women, was I? But once I had got married, it was okay with my wife, not with the other women. See, I mean, things that he gives us is for our sake, for our safety, for our joy, for our wisdom, for our needs, for our protection, for our provisions. It's not there to hurt us. It's not there to prevent us from enjoying all that life has to offer. They are gifts from our loving God. He wants to be able to protect you and me from all things. He wants, he knows what's going to destroy us and ruin us. And he wants to give what's best for us. But if we truly want to say that we trust him with that, then we need to follow his ways. We, if we truly believe that God knows what's best, then we need to turn our life over to him. In every aspect of our life. Everything. And anything. So if we're going to enter in that relationship with God, we must do so on his terms. God's relationship with heaven, with him and heaven are these. We have to be clean. We must need Jesus Christ. That's the only way we go. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's his terms. We have to be clean. That's it. 
final point I want to make is that the giving of the law established the fact that the law can never be the foundation for a personal relationship with God. See, the, the law cannot relieve our fear. Keep your finger in Exodus. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Exodus, Deuteronomy, I mean, Exodus, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 23 through 27. It says, So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, they came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord God may say and tell us all that the Lord God says to you and we'll hear and do it. Look at how those people reacted to the presence of God on that mountain. They were afraid, weren't they? Let me put it into perspective today. When a police car comes driving behind you with those lights on, are you happy and joyous that he's there protecting the streets? You get a little nervous, don't you, trying to figure out what's going on in your life. That's the same fear that these Israelites had with God. What did I do wrong? One day, each and every one of us is going to have to stand before God in judgment. I just pray it's not the judgment that sends us to hell. So when we have Jesus as our Savior, we don't need to fear that one, do we? We don't need to fear. Our standing will not be based on how well we kept the law. It will be based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he provides for everyone. So to close, the law is extremely important. Don't let anyone ever tell you we're in New Testament times because we're still in Old Testament times too. We just have Jesus. That's the new covenant. But the law still applies to you and me today. And we shouldn't forget that law because of that giving of the law. God wanted to establish a relationship with mankind. Because of the giving of the law, it established the fact that the, the relationship needs to be on God's terms. And because of the giving of the law, it established the fact that the law can never be the foundation of a personal relationship with our God. I hope you take tonight into heart and see that the Old Testament is so filled with some beautiful things. It's much more than the normal stories we hear each and every day. It has so much purpose for your life and mine. Every single moment we live, it's still in the Old and New Testament alike. We just have to understand it better. But how do we do that? We've been talking about it the past three weeks. I've been talking up here behind this pulpit. We need a closer relationship with our Father. And no matter how, where your walk is with our Father, He wants it stronger. Will you join me today?